2: is Sky Blues Extra.
3: Hello and welcome to another Sky Blues Extra podcast with me, David Moore, and I'm joined this evening again by my co-host, Andrew Greasley Evening, yeah, Andrew. I
2: evening, David. Okay.
3: All good, thank you. We're also joined this evening with Tom, uh, who's a fellow London Sky Blue. He's done the majority of home and away games so far this season, and we invited him on the show to talk about his experience following commentary, home and away. Evening, Tom.
4: Evening, gents. Good to be on the podcast.
3: Nice to have you on, Tom. So if we're going to start off this evening by reviewing our last two fixtures, which included a dramatic late goal to take all three points at home to Portsmouth, and most recently an away win at Roots Hall. The Portsmouth game finished 1-0 with a last sort of dramatic winner from Matty Godden. It was a really tense fixture. We tended to cancel each other out throughout the game. Matty Godden eventually broke the deadlock. What were the stats, Andy?
2: Yeah, the stats were quite intriguing, going back to your point that we did cancel each other out. Um, The possession was 49%, 49% possession enough uh, for us. We had uh, 10 shots compared to their 12, 57% pass accuracy compared to their 61%. Um, But a key stat here is that we won 85 85 duels compared to their 72. So, yeah, the stats do weigh in like it was... Uh, the same and yeah but the key start of us beating them in the jewels was was key because uh, we won the battle Dave.
3: Yeah exactly and we finally got the the ball over the line with a great goal by Matty Godden obviously very instinctive for Callum O'Hare who flicked it on and a really good throw in by Dabo. I think we've actually got a fan to thank actually who threw the ball from the stadium straight into Dabo's arms got it to Callum O'Hare and Godden with a keen Keno-esque sort of goal, wasn't it, to, to finish? But yeah, Pompey did stop us playing. Tom, what did you think about the
4: result? Yeah, absolutely brilliant result. Um, I thought it was it was a tough game. I was actually chatting to some Pompey fans on the on the train home, and they were saying that they weren't you know up to their usual performance levels, but still, you could tell they were a top side. They did stop us playing. They they were very quick. I thought even if they weren't playing that well, and the key really was that we just didn't give any fouls away. You know, we clearly worked on it in training. They, they're they very good from set pieces and we really stopped any, you know, dangerous free kicks coming in, which was key. And I, I thought we were going to win it. I, I turned around to Nick halfway through the second half and I said, we're going to win this. I just had that feeling that we'd get one opportunity, brilliant from Dabo, just to spot that. And I don't think O'Hare really knew it was coming to him, but he's just sort of looped it over and it was a very sort of Matty Godden finish, wasn't it? To, to get it past the keeper. So yeah, brilliant result. Um, and it's really, really pushed us up the league.
3: Exactly. And Andy, I think the defence were one of the key parts of uh, our game, actually. A lot of people came out in support of Haim and Karl McFadseen at the end of the game to say how fantastic they were. They looked completely calm and composed throughout. I think Portsmouth have obviously, this season, they've they've scored a lot of goals and it's probably where they've been flinging balls into the box. And there's a lot mm. of teams in this league that can't cope with that pressure. But, but the defence really held up, didn't it?
2: It did. Uh, Fads and Haim uh, were outstanding on the night. And he's also, Rosie was very good as well after his, shall we say, a bit of a dreadful display against Bolton. He, he was uh, outstanding as well. So all three of them were good. Uh, Fads was pick of the bunch for me. Um, he won seven of his aerial challenges. He won eight of his duels as well. Um, so, yeah, he was outstanding, Fads. And uh, no, and we handled everything they did. I was surprised by their um, approach to the game, uh, considering they've won five out of five. I thought they would come playing a bit more football than they did, but they just kept on launching it every five minutes, and uh, food and drink for people like Fads, Rose, and High and that.
3: Yeah, they were very comfortable, and like you say, Portsmouth were a very physical side. They very much broke the game down and stopped us from playing. Um, a lot of niggly fouls, perhaps, on the halfway line, and it did actually start to get a bit frustrating for the crowd that were at St Andrews that evening. Tom, you were at the game. A lot of fouls that sort of broke us down. And do you think that's why we struggled to play?
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they got into us early. It was it was difficult to get a, a rhythm like we usually do. But, you know, players like Backer were really useful because we were, we were putting balls over. And, and he, he is actually a, a bit of a handful for defenders. And they were having to, you know, hoof it out into touch. So, you know, we did, we did gradually get a foothold in the game. And that was why I think, you know, I felt like we were going to go on to win it. They didn't threaten us too much. I didn't think. Obviously, there was a good chance in the second half that Morosi saved. I think it was, but yeah. Apart from that, it, yeah, they didn't didn't threaten us too much. So,
3: it's great that we were able to take all three points, Andy. We put out our uh, usual man of the match poll at the, the end of the game, and it was actually Morosi that won the man of the match. It was over seven hundred people voted. So again, we thank you uh, to our listeners that joined in with that. But Morosi got thirty nine percent. What was it that was so key for, for us, do you think, about Morosi that gave him that man of the match?
2: To be honest, um, a lot of people, were, well, we put, when we put the poll out, people were complaining, weren't they, saying, where's Fads, where's Fads? But, you know, we could only put four people out. And if they wanted to vote for Vaz, they could have replied, couldn't they? But yeah, we're um, going back to your point about Morosi, His uh, really the main save he, he did was the one after half time. You know, the ball came down the uh, right-hand side, our left, and it came in and they, it was a flash shot. And it was a great reaction by Morosi, a top, top save in a big game and in an important time, Dave.
3: And Tom, it was an amazing finish by Matty Godden. Like we said already, it's very Keno esque Just talk us through the goal. What did you think was so good about it?
4: Yeah, as I said, it was it was really from, from Dabo's um, quick thinking. You know, well, I guess it started with the fan in the crowd, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he seen an opportunity, he's quickly got the ball to Dabo, so fair play to him, whoever it was. Um, and, yeah, Davo's just spotted O'Hare. I think O'Hare was probably looking the other way at the time, but he's just shouted, you know, Cal across to him. The ball's come in pretty quickly to him, and he's he's just looped it over to Godden, really, and, and Godden's just made one of those really good runs where he's playing off the shoulder. You know, he's just on side, which is perfect, and, you know, he's he just... I mean, I was a bit worried about his groin when he stuck his leg out, but um, <laughs> seems to have yeah. given it a good stretch, and he's fine. Um, but, yeah, and it, it was it was definitely going in as soon as it left his, it left his boot, so and then, you know, cue the uh, the plane celebrations, which seems to be a regular feature now.
3: Yeah, we've spoken about the plane uh, celebration quite a lot on this pod, haven't we, Andy? And yeah. again, it's always good to see that the, the club's just got so much confidence around it. I think the squad are so confident that these celebrations are coming out. And I think that goes some way to show about our league position and, and actually being able to topple a team like Portsmouth late on in the day.
2: It does, Dave, and it shows the team spirit between the lads, doesn't it? You know, yeah. They're not afraid to you know put a bit of shithousery out away from home and even at home they put they bring out the uh, plane celebration but it shows they're all together it's not just the plane celebration when you know when we do score they're all over aren't they all the players are celebrating together it's not like one striker's running off and there's two people going to him. I mean the whole team go over and that's just great to see it just shows our team spirit is really high and the lads are really enjoying you know playing this football and the robins it's great. Yeah, I, I saw
4: a photo today on Twitter and it was mm. with um it was with Walsh just leaping really high in one of the celebrations and you just think, you know, even the lone players uh they got a real they're playing with some real passion and they love playing for the for the team. So it's good to see the lone players, you know, really playing for the shirt as well as the obviously the players who've been there for a little while.
2: Yeah, I agree with that, Tom. It's like Callum O'Hare's like, you know, with that injury he had that many lone players would have just thought, I'm not gonna play against uh, you know, Pompey, are they after that Bolton clash? But he said in these quotes, didn't he, before the game that he wanted to play 100%. He said, I want to play in this game. And that just shows his attitude, doesn't it? Which is great.
3: It's an attitude that we're going to need if we're going to get promoted I think that you know the lone players are a part of a squad rotation, and Robbins is doing a really good job of keeping a squad that's got so much depth happy. you know, Westbrook and Shipley are not always playing every game, but at mm. times when they come in, they're still really putting it out. How important is that going to be for us going forward in the rest of the season, Andy?
2: Very much so. Um, he seems to be keeping uh, the boys fresh. Bringing in uh, Westbrook and Shipley in and here, here and there, he brought them in for the cup game as well, didn't he? Against Birmingham. So yeah, um, and also that helps people feel together as well as part of something. You know, when they're, you know, if they're not playing for a while, people might think, oh, I'm not really part of the squad. I'm not really part of the setup. But with Robbins doing that occasionally, changing people here and there, it just makes everyone feel special and part of the team, which is great. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Okay now we're going to move on to the South
3: End fixture now. Um obviously Coventry City played South End at Roots Hall this weekend. It was a massive game really because of the score, you know because of the league position of where we are at the moment. It's a must win game against those teams that are around the bottom to make sure that we keep the pace and keep pushing forward for our automatic promotions. The match ended 2-0 with goals from Calamo O'Hare and Max Biermu. What was the stats for the game Andy?
2: Uh, the stats were, obviously, we we uh, the possession was 62% in our favour. Uh, we had 15 shots compared to their seven. Pass uh, accuracy was 80% compared to their 66%. So a lot more like it for us. Uh, our stats were weighing a lot more in our favour. So uh, And we came out with a 2-0 win, which was even better.
3: We did. We We sort of probed for a long time during the first half. We hit the post, obviously, through Shipley. We just couldn't get that goal. It just wouldn't come. Uh, But I had a feeling that it may have been one of those games where, you know, perhaps we weren't going to concede. You never felt that we concede. But is there a goal? Where's it going to come from? And are we going to score? But we finally broke the deadlock. A a brilliant solo effort from Calamo O'Hare, who tucked it into the corner and absolute fans went absolutely mental again and also obviously BMU latched on to Longfield ball their defence was in a bit of disarray the keeper came out and couldn't do anything about it and BMU slipped it through for 2-0 and a really important win where where do you think that things went right for for the Sky Blues on Saturday
2: yeah obviously um we were probing obviously the first half um we hit the obviously uh, the the post with shippers And uh, while she hit the bar, when we were really knocking on the door, after a bit of a a nervy start, they started quite well Southend and uh, they put us back on the back foot. We looked a little bit lethargic again, but we grew into the the first half. Like I said, we rattled the post, we rattled the bar. And I was pretty happy at half-time. I thought, yeah, we were growing into the game. And then uh, second half, first half an hour, first, you know, 25 minutes, it was a bit nip and tuck. Um, But then we made the double change. O'Hare came on, Biarmo came on for Shippers and Westbrook, and then we had that great goal, didn't we?
3: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, like you mentioned, that we were proving we were trying to to make things happen. It perhaps wasn't coming for us, and the double substitution may well have been why we were able to get through. What do you think, Tom, about that double situation? It's it's happened a few times now. Robin seems to make these sort of drastic changes, and they do seem to be having an effect.
4: Yeah, I just I just think it goes back to that thing about the uh the depth of the squad that we've got this season that you know we can start with, with players like Shipley and Westbrook and and then you've got some real firepower on the bench with players like O'Hare and, and BMW. You know, BMW's goal to games ratio's superb. I think it's one of the best we've ever had. So he's great at coming on and grabbing a goal. So yeah, it's just it's just testament to the options that, that we've got now. And uh I think I think Saturday's game was was tough. I think you know, when you go to somewhere like that, and there's so much expectation for a win, it is hard for the players, especially in conditions like that. But I think it was uh, it showed our maturity that you know when you look back at Bolton at the start of the season, um, similar sort of game, you know, expected to win, but we just couldn't couldn't see it out. We couldn't, you know, could get a goal and get the win. Whereas Saturday, I think it was it was different. We we showed maturity. We had some options to change it, and we knew how to win the game. And and yeah, it was, it was good to see us close that out.
3: It's Going to be really important again throughout the rest of the season to be able to do that to break these teams down at the bottom of the league that are perhaps going to park the bus. Andy, that's mm. that's something that we're, we're going to need to do. And it, like Tom said, it showed maturity. Um, what was your take out from that?
2: Yeah, it did show maturity. I think that against these, like Tom said, against Bolton early doors in the, early in the season, we would we struggled, didn't we, to break them down? I know we had two goals disallowed, but. Yeah, we have struggled in the past against these lower teams, but that was showed a lot more maturity. I don't think we panicked. I think we waited our time. Uh, Robbins made key substitutions, and boy, they made a change, didn't they? And I, but what
3: I would say is there were some really great performances on Saturday. There was, you know, obviously Biamu. there was O'Hare. Marossi was, as usual, great. The defence didn't really have too many problems to deal with. Was there anyone that didn't perhaps have a, a, a greatest of games?
2: Um, for me, um, it's a bit Sam McCallum again was a little bit off colour. Um, I didn't think he had the best of games, but he wasn't awful. Westbrook again, a little bit quiet, but again, not terrible. So no one terrible for me. So, But maybe them two for, for a couple of average performances, Dave.
3: And going forward in that sort of left back role, would you like to see a Giles or or someone get a bit of a change? We've spoke on the pod now Mm. in the last couple of weeks. Sam McCallum seems to have been not off of his game. I think he still had a fairly decent game this weekend. But with his situation where he is going to be exiting the club at the end of the season, do you think it's time now to bring in someone else and, and perhaps play them?
2: Uh, I think Giles will get a chance, but uh, but because obviously Wolves wouldn't have let him come here if, if he was just going to sit on the bench. But saying that, Robbins loves McCallum, doesn't he? So um, I don't know. Perhaps we'll have to wait and see. But McCallum's been f- fabulous for us. But I'd like to see Giles given a chance here and just to see what he can do.
3: And we haven't really made much. We've talked about Giles and perhaps not Mason. Tom, what would your sort of perfect situation be for that left-back spot? And would you just keep it the same?
4: Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, there's no real need to change a winning team. That's the thing. You know, until something goes wrong, then, you know, I'll be hesitant, you know, adjusting, especially when you're talking about defensive players, you know, you want to keep things keep things the same. But having said that, you know, looking towards next season and bedding someone in, you know, I mean, I think Mason's a really capable player anyway, but... McCallum isn't going to be here next year. Giles probably won't be here next year. So, you know, who's going to fill that position? Is Is there someone in you know the academy that needs to start stepping up that we can bed in now? Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, the main the main thing is to get promotion and whatever team it takes to do that. You know, I'm, I'm not too not too fussed really.
2: Just on that point. I just think, oh Tom. Just I think he's gave Mason a new contract, didn't he? So, do you think he's having a word with Mason behind the scenes, saying, "Okay, this season you're going to be mainly out, but next season maybe that's your position." Definitely, I have to give yeah. him a new contract. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, obviously, it depends what league we're in next year. You know, if we if we go into the championship, it's a completely different ball game altogether. And is Mason even a you know a capable starting? left-sided player. We might need Mm -hmm. to sign someone new. He might be an understudy again. So, a lot of questions, really. Um, I think he's certainly capable in in League One. So, we definitely need to keep him happy, I think.
3: And as we mentioned, the defence were absolutely superb again at the weekend. They didn't really have anything to trouble them. And Southend didn't have a great deal of firepower. But it does remain to say that, you know, when you're in those sort of games... Any, ch- any squad, any team can have a chance within 90 minutes. And they were switched on fully for the full 90 minutes. Morosi again, making some saves when he had to. That's going to be important for the rest of the season. But were you impressed with the defence again,
2: Andy? I was. A very professional job, apart from about the first couple of minutes when they got in. And I think Hyam cleared it for a corner, didn't it? Or it ricocheted off him. But apart from that, it was very solid. They didn't test us too much. Morosi, like you said, had a couple of saves to make, but nothing major. No, very calm, collective assurance from the back five. So, yeah, apart from Dabo, because he nearly got sent off, didn't he? But um, maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. But, yeah, apart from Dabo. But Paschi came on and did a good job as well. He slotted in nicely. But, no, very cool, calm and collective. So, impressed. We
3: saw, like we say, a bit of uh, early season memories from Darbo didn't we he's been absolutely <laughs> solid in the last couple of weeks but as you mentioned there Andy he's he, he did pick up a booking and he was a little bit close and I think that that was a decision that Robbins perhaps had to make Tom what do you think about Darbo's performance on the weekend
4: yeah I mean I don't think he had a bad game necessarily you know I mean it just shows how how far he has come that maybe not his best game but he's still hitting pretty good levels just just seemed to lose his head a little bit I think obviously picked up that like, yellow you know, card and then I couldn't really see the, the the second one from where we were sitting, but from, from some of the players' reactions and, and Sol Campbell's comments sounded like he was he was lucky to stay on the pitch. So just needs to be a little bit careful because we can't afford to start get, picking up suspensions at this time of the season.
3: Again, it was lots of players who had a really good game on Saturday. And again, our poll, match day poll, which you can listeners out there can always get involved in every single week after a game, just need to follow the Sky Blues Extra Twitter account, and join in with the match day polls. It was Callum O'Hare that came out as the man of the match on Saturday.
2: Do you agree with that, Andy? Yeah, I do. He turned the game, didn't he? He was only on the pitch for 42 minutes. You know, he scored one goal, he had one shot. Out of that one shot, it was 100% shot conversion. But the main key stat from the stats from Callum O'Hare was the two key passes, and that was the best of, of our players. So he just showed, you know, he turned the game... He can turn a game. He's got that ability just to thread people in, and his goal was absolutely sublime, wasn't it? So yeah, I'll I'll give it Callum O'Hare because he turned the game for us.
3: Yeah, it was a really well taken goal by Callum O'Hare, and really well the game finished off, obviously by Max bihamu But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an away day without you know, singing the praises again of the Sky Blue Army, the Sky Blue Faithful, there in their numbers again, vocal and loud throughout the whole game. Um, it really was an incredible atmosphere this weekend, wasn't it, Tom?
4: Yeah, absolutely brilliant support once again. We come to expect it every week now away from home. Um, yeah, very loud. I think, you know, Southend's always been quite a loud away end with that kind of tin roof or whatever it's made of. Um, but yeah, it was it was brilliant. Back the lads for the whole 90 minutes. And I think it's going to be really important for the rest of the season. You know, we've got some tough games coming up. Um, it's good to see that the everyone's travelling in, in numbers to support the team.
2: Tom, do you think we'll um, get a few more numbers at St Andrews now?
4: I, I could see them creeping up a little bit. I uh, don't think there'll be anything drastic. You know, I think there's there's probably a number of people who are sort of sticking to their guns really, and probably won't be, you know, won't be changed by performances necessarily. But mm. I w- I'd like to think they creep up a little bit, and it'd be nice to to get a few more in there for the for the kind of tough games we've got coming up.
2: Um, It would it would help,
4: wouldn't it? Yeah, because and you think about it, you know, we we're going for promotion, and it has crossed my mind, you know, if we were to get promotion, you know, at St Andrews, it's going to be quite strange in front of a small crowd. So, you know, it's it'd be nice for a few more people to see that, and you know, have the memories of of a great season.
2: You're listening to Sky Blues Extra.
4: We're going to move
3: on now, and we've asked our listeners recently to contact us with some of their away day stories. Uh, We recently put out a bright idea post also, Andy, around what could there be more done around travel. It's very, very expensive for football fans to follow their team up and down the country on a weekend. Tom travels home and away from London, which makes every game pretty much an away game. But we're going to have a discussion now about what, what do you think could be done around away day travel, Andy?
2: Well, I think it could be subsidised, for starters. I think it's very expensive for people, especially if they've got kids. So, yeah, I think people could help with, you know, like we had that idea What you said about a rail card. That's a good idea. Because football, you know, is about taking, enjoying it with your mates and enjoying it with with your kids and your family, isn't it? And some people can't go because they're getting priced out of it. So, which is a real shame, isn't it? Especially the way we're playing at the moment.
3: Exactly. And and like we say, national rail cards and, and 16 to 25, they're only hitting a sort of certain age number. And, mm. and actually, a lot of the older football fans are not able to get those discounts. The idea of a rail card that only works within the football season, so you sort of August to May, and also at certain times, maybe Saturdays and midweek games, predefined, set out by the Football League at the start of the season. So there was no abuse of that rail card, I think could be a really good idea. And I think you'd actually see a sale of more of those types of, of cards than you would uh, you know, normally, and then revenues wouldn't be impacted. Tom, you travel away from your travel away games and home games from London. So it's every week is, is on the train for yourself. How do you find the, the costs and you know, what have you sort of so far this season or or typical season what would you be sort of spending
4: yeah so um i think yeah the idea you had around the around the rail card is a really good one you know i think it would come up with a lot of benefits actually you know one thing i was thinking about is you know even things like you know policing on match days having supporter only carriages on the trains and even chartering trains to to away games it it can only be a benefit i think and you know the the less people driving the better so yeah I think more more help should be done for uh for football fans traveling um so yeah on, on the way I was I was just doing a, a little bit of analysis on on spend so I reckon if, if you say average 25 quid per game for the train which sometimes you know it's a bit more sometimes a bit less but yeah
3: on an average I think that probably works it out some of the longer trips like the Rochdales the Tramirs they tend to be on that Avanti coastline which is it's like you know great train robbery but Generally, they tend to be 25, circa 25. Yeah.
4: So if you think, yeah, and you're looking at your 46 games across the season, obviously you might have some cup games as well, but you're looking at just over a grand, you know, for a a season, which is mad really. And then you obviously add your, you know, your, your tickets into that as well, probably looking at around 20 quid these days on average. So you're looking at about 500 quid for your away tickets, exceeding the cup games. And then obviously if you've got a season ticket, that's another 260. And then obviously your beer as well, which is obviously optional. Um, but, but or you not know, optional
3: some days <laughs> to make it through the 90 minutes. I think some in past seasons, I think everyone would have felt that they'd needed some sort of uh, alcohol substitute.
4: Yeah, and uh, you know, and if you're doing a fast food bingo like Dave likes to, then obviously the, the food bill shoots up a bit as well. So, so it can be expensive.
3: But Andy, you know, we talk about these away days, they are expensive, and also the home games, of course, but they always make up for some really, really good memories. And like you mentioned, with family, with children. They're memories that we're never going to forget. And and I think you've got a few, haven't you? We're going to talk through now some of what of our listeners have come through. But, um, yeah. yeah, have you got a best away day experience that you've had?
2: Yeah, the best away day experience I've had, I'll give you two. One, which is when we beat Villa, at Villa Part 4-1, with obviously John Aloisi getting two and George Botan getting two. That was a, a massive, memorable day for me. Um, huge. World. I think that's the first ever game we've won at Villa Park as well. So that was, that was a brilliant day out. Um, and recently I'd probably go, I know we didn't win this game, but the, the atmosphere in the away end against, uh, Peterborough was brilliant, especially when Biamu scored that bicycle kick. That was just unreal. So I just lost my shit for that, that, that goal. So no, um, there's two for you, which we aren't, which aren't bad, Dave.
3: Yeah, I know you had a really good day that, mm. that that day at Peterborough, and I was also there and really enjoyed it. Tom, what would have been your one of your best away day
4: memories? Yeah, a couple for me, quite recent ones actually. So obviously, Knox County in the playoff semi-final, is think mm. is one that that many people have as their their favourite. Um, that was brilliant. Um, the five four away at Sunderland was was good, and I think I'll probably come back to that on the. The, one of the most expensive uh, days out we have ever had and then there's one actually from a few years ago that people forget about when we beat um, we beat Stevenage 3-1 away I think it was 3-1 um, when McGoldrick chipped the keeper from 30 yards I don't think it was that important for our league position or anything but it was just the fact we were one nil down it was Boxing Day we were all packed into that end and yeah and McGoldrick was on fire that season so yeah I remember that one well as well
2: that was a finish
3: it was, yeah, it was an absolute superb finish, wasn't it? I remember it well. And, yeah. then, and like Tom, he's explained it really well there. I think he's got one of those Coventry memories that he just soaks up like a sponge because he's always talking to me about games. And I'm like, yeah, I think I remember that. But, I don't quite. <laughs> but he seems to have one of these sort of photographic uh, memories, which is probably a bad thing if you if you go back through the years. But like I say, we wouldn't change it for the world. I've mentioned a lot of times on this pod that when I before I moved to London, I used to actually travel up to Coventry games and away games from the Isle of Wight. So it always meant that we were leaving around seven o'clock and we'd have to hot foot it back via London, down back down to Portsmouth Harbour. And we'd sometimes be struggling to get the ferry across, which was a 15, 20 minute crossing. If you missed it, you had to get the car ferry, which was an hour. And it was just full of people either coming back from holiday with... Really cheap Benny dorm tans, or people that were coming back from the nightclubs and rolling around the, the ferry, sort of being sick everywhere. So, but Tom, you, you've done a lot of travelling as we've mentioned. What would be one of your longest trips?
4: I think probably Carlisle, um, which we did. I think it was probably two, two or three seasons ago, the year were in League Two. I actually went up to rugby, um, went from there. But I think we left the house about seven a.m. So probably similar to your your Isle of Wight days. Um, and then we we just got in for match of the day at half ten. So. A very long day out, but we won one nil that day, so it was uh, it was worth it. And uh, yeah, don't mind it when we win; it's absolutely fine. Okay. We're
3: going to talk about best and worst away grounds now. Um, Andy, do you have any any away grounds that you've been to that have just
2: not been a very good experience? Um, the experience, yeah. It's not County, but not because of what we won in the semi final. Unfortunately, course. yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't there for that game for the semi final, but missed out big time. But I remember going to Notts County in the, under the Stephen Presley days and we lost free zip and it was just absolutely awful. You know, the days when Delfonso was playing up top for us, it was an absolute dreadful away day. And no, that was, was one of my worst ones.
3: No, actually, funny enough, I've got a, an interesting story about Notts County when uh, it was the, the season I think we drew, drew up there. I'm trying to, uh, to remember there. And I had an advanced single ticket, so I couldn't leave the city for an actual certain time. So I had to come up with a quick fable that would allow me to, to get an earlier train. And, and somehow I managed to sort of convince the train guard to, to let me on and, and we get back down there to to London. But what about you, Tom? Worst away ground?
4: Uh, worst ground would probably be, be Bristol Rovers or Gillingham, any of the ones with the open away ends. They're always a bit miserable, especially in the winter. Um, in terms of games the game itself, I think Bristol City, the year we got relegated from the Championship, I don't know if you remember that one, um, I think we took the lead. I think it was known goal from, was it John Stead or someone like that? I think it um, might be. Yeah, my photographic memory coming out again. Um, and then uh, and then they went and beat us 4-1, I think it was, and it was absolutely tipping it down with rain. And we had a half an hour walk back to the car and we'd been relegated and yeah, that was a that was a pretty miserable day out. I have to say
3: that does sound pretty grim. Um, does. What about best away grounds, Andy? Is there any ground that you visited that you'd really recommend our listeners to go to if they get a chance? I know a lot of our listeners, like us, try and um, try to you know sort of tick off the ninety two. Is yeah. there anywhere that you'd say to them to really go and visit? And it could be anywhere. You we know, might not get them for a long time or an FA Cup game. I know a lot of people really enjoyed the Emirates when we went there, for yeah. example. But yeah, is there any grounds that? Uh, Yourself,
2: the Burnabout. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, c- the city ground, Nottingham, uh, forest. I think that's a really nice ground. Decent atmosphere, it's got that history to it. Um, lovely by the Trent as well. So, yeah, city, uh, yeah, city ground for uh, forest for me, Dave.
4: And what about you, Tom? Uh, my favorite's Hillsborough, I have to say. Um, yeah, Hillsborough. yeah, I've been there a couple of times. Um, you know, and if, if we keep going the way we're going, but hopefully will be playing there again next year. Yeah, So, yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, yeah. I've, I've actually quite enjoyed the, the Manchester ones as well. So, you got, you know, Rochdale, Bolton. Any of the ones around Manchester is always quite a good day out. Um, having a few beers around there as well is good. It's funny
3: you should say that, Tom, actually, because up that way, I think, I can't remember who we were playing. It may have well been... I can't remember, but you've got a story, haven't you, from when you went to an away game, perhaps when the travel didn't quite go to plan.
4: Yeah, it was actually it was actually Yorkshire. We had a little uh, a little day out in Yorkshire by accident. So um, we yeah we were going to Barnsley away last year um, when it was two two um, towards the end of last season, and uh, we were changing at Sheffield and just in a bit of a rush, just got on a train thinking it was going to Barnsley, and it was full of Doncaster fans. And, you know, my geography of Yorkshire isn't that good, so I just assumed that the train went to Doncaster and then through to Barnsley. All the Doncaster fans were lovely. They were all chatting to us, having a bit of a laugh, you know, talking about both wanting to get in the playoffs. Anyway, we approached Doncaster and they all sort of said, well, why are you going to Doncaster? And we were like, oh, does this not go through to Barnsley? And they were like, no, it stops here. So they didn't decided not to tell us until we actually got to Doncaster. And then we had to go back to Sheffield and then go to Barnsley. So we just about got in for kickoff, off but, um, but, yeah, that was, a, that was an interesting doubt.
3: That's absolutely brilliant. It, it's just like football fans, isn't it, to just be so caught up in the away day sort of experience and chatting away, and then you suddenly realise you're going completely the wrong way. A couple of our listeners have gave their sort of worst experiences here. We've got Tomo878. He said his worst experience was Blackpool away. I took the misses up the night before. Had a lovely time and watched Kov get battered, BMU injured, and a four-hour drive home. Uh, Eddie Kitchen also said his worst away day. It wasn't too far, I, I would imagine, for him, but it was none-eaten in 2014 because the rain was relentless and the game was cooled off just after half-time. Tom, what about yourself? Is there anything else that you'd, you'd add about those sort of worst away days?
4: Um, there's, I mean, there's been plenty over the years, hasn't there? I think the, um, the Russell Slade season was, was pretty grim. I'd actually be interested if anyone listening remembers us winning under Russell Slade. I can't remember any of them, to be honest, if there were any at all.
3: Andy, what do you think? Was there many away wins for the Russell Slade era? No, I just
2: have nightmares about Wimbledon still. <laughs> you know, when he turned round. I know, it was that. 1-0. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh,
4: uh, I think someone yeah. posted the team the other day, didn't they, from that game? And it's oh. just unbelievable how we've come on from then.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we, we did. We I mean, Andy, you recently put out about Yakubu when he signed and I, I can't believe the, the sort of club went absolutely gung-ho on the sort of marketing it, it was like as if it was a real real scoop for the club wasn't it at the time to get Yakubu t- to sign it was the um, same marketing
2: as we did for Joe
3: Cole yeah exactly but that <laughs> I think that one ended up pretty well to be honest no, I think that the Sky Blue it, Faithful got a lot out of Joe Cole but the Yakubu days were were not so, um, not so much to shout about, were they? It did help
4: that Joe Cole was actually match fit as well. So
2: Yeah, well, Joe Cole was different level, weren't he? Um, but no, Jakubu was just absolutely... I was that, I was there at that game at the Rico, you know, when he just stood there for 10 minutes doing nothing yeah. to pull in his hamstring. Yeah. I was there that game, so it was like, oh you'd, my... You'd
3: fuck. like to think he would have thought, maybe I'll tell someone, but he just kind of had no, to sort just, of just, move around, just, wasn't
2: he? Just thought, fuck it, I'll stand there for 10 minutes.
4: Maybe he's been paid by the minute. Yeah, quite, quite <laughs> We don't really know what his contract structure
3: there. And I think commentary go in the you know, in past have had some very interesting contracts in place for players and and maybe like you say, he was Actually, paid by the minute. I also remember the sort of um, hoo ha that was made around when um, Matt Janssen signed uh, for Coventry. Um, I think it is after he'd had like a motorbike accident, but he was really top, top draw before he sort of had that. And everyone was absolutely buzzing that he was at the club, but again, he didn't really go on to, to make a massive difference.
2: No, he didn't. He was poor. Robert, Robert Yarney was another one, if you remember, in the past. We signed him and then we sold him to Real Madrid day later. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra.
3: We're going to move on now to this week's fixture, which sees Coventry City take on Rochdale away from home. The Sky Blues entered the automatic promotion spot this week in a joint top now with Rotherham on 57 points. But can they stay there? They played Rochdale, like I mentioned, who we previously beat. Let's have a listen back to that fixture
2: now. Here come Rochdale now into the penalty area They go with a swift counter-attack And it's turned in by their captain Ian Henderson But the warning signs came just,
0: what, 30 seconds ago and this...
2: Been uh, breached once, the Sky Blues defence this afternoon Oh, nice ball over the top Can Chippy get on to the end of it he can, he's passed his
3: marker Oh, handball surely And it's in the goal anyway Jordan Chifley with his second match in a row Scores, it's his third of the season they pick it up on the halfway line, but uh, give it away cheaply to Liam Walsh, who races into uh, their half. Lovely pass to players. Kenny Shaw tries shot. He's passed at third from the edge of the area. Oh, it's a
0: fantastic individual goal by Liam Walsh.
3: Some fantastic memories there, and and you obviously remember that fixture, Tom. Just take us back to that game. How, how was it? Did you? It was a great goal by Walsh, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah. The the Walsh um, goal was absolutely stand out. Pro- probably goal of the season, to be honest. Um, yeah, took it round about three or four players and slotted it in the corner. It was very uh, very Messi esque. Um, so yeah, no, that was a that was a good win, a good goal, um, and yeah, looking forward to to, to the weekend.
3: The club have played each other um the, the clubs have played each other eleven times. Coventry have won just three fixtures in the league, three draws, and Rochdale have taken five of the games. Our biggest win was in nineteen ninety-one in the League Cup when we beat them four 0 Um but how's this one gonna go, Andrew? And, and give us a bit of a lowdown on Rochdale, maybe a team in focus.
2: Yeah, they didn't play Saturday. Um the last game they played was they lost 3-0 to Sunderland. The last five games, they've got five points, which isn't great. And their home form's not very good either, Dave. Uh, They're the third worst team at home in the league. Uh, They've scored 15 only and and let in 19. Wow. So they don't concede many, but they don't score hardly any either. So certainly um, a team that we've got to be looking to get three points here.
3: Who's their top goal scorer this season? Is there anyone that we should be looking out for?
2: Yeah, Ian Henderson. Um, I think he's about 70 now, but he scores goals for fun. Like he's got 13 goals in 26 games. So he, he does score goals. Um, he's a very, very decent player at this level. And even though he's getting on a bit, he, if you give him a chance, he'll, he'll bag for sure. Also, they've also got... An, you know, if it's not going very well, they've also got a decent option B as well on the bench uh, under Aaron Wilbraham. He used to be at Bolton, and he's a good target man. They bring on if it's not going to plan, so they'll go long if it's not going to plan. So expect that if if they're losing or or even if they're winning, and they want to hang on to something. They'll go long to Wilbraham and bring him off the bench day.
3: It really feels like an absolute must win game now for the Sky Blues who really need to keep up the pace and with that game in hand could actually see themselves at some point in, in time be actual top of this league and title contenders is what they are now. Robbins has obviously got a bit of a decision to make. He has changed things around a lot lately. He, he's t- At the moment we're sort of playing teams that are down the bottom but we've still got to win those games and we're also playing teams that are at the top and um Rochdale is a fixture where maybe you'll choose to rest someone. What sort of squad prediction do you think you'll see this weekend, Tom? And and who would you go with?
4: Yeah, so it's a tough one really. Um, you know, as I was saying earlier, I think it's important to keep keep a winning team if you can. Um, I know there was a lot of impact off the bench to win that game on Saturday, but I'd be probably tempted to go with the same team because, you know, just having the options on the bench if we need them. Um but I think, you know, we've got enough to get the job done with, you know, Shipley and Westbrook in there. Um, and O'Hare's a great option. You know, I think we've got to be a little bit careful with him. We don't want to overplay him and obviously he's had his head injury as well. So, um, yeah, I'd be I'd be tempted to keep it the same. And what
3: would your starting lineup be, Andy?
2: I'd probably go a little bit different to Tom. I'd play Marossi in goal. I'd have a McCallum at left wing-back, Dabo at right wing-back, same defence as Hyam, Fads and Rosa. Walshie Kelly in the holding roles and I'd bring back Callum O'Hare and Jamie Allen and then I would play Biamu up top instead of Godden.
3: Yeah, it's a really big head-scratcher for Mark Robbins at the moment, the whole Bakayoko, Biamu mm. and Matty Godden. Matty Godden obviously made a, a huge impact against Portsmouth when he when he came on but he was a little bit quiet at South End, wasn't
4: he, Tom? Yeah, he was, he was quite quiet actually. Um, didn't really notice him in the game very much. It, it's a tough one, yeah. I, I think. I mean, it's a good problem to have. You know, we've got players strikers scoring um, in every game, which is good. Um, Biarme probably does deserve, deserve a start at some point. I don't know if he's. Has he had a start this season in the league? I I'm not sure he or... has.
3: I don't think he has. Yeah, maybe the Birmingham game, Andy. Perhaps,
2: but in the league. Yeah, no, he, sure started, he started in the cup, hasn't he? I don't think he started in the league very often. Though I think you're right there, Tom. But I think he started a couple of times in the cup.
4: And he scored. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he does deserve a start. You know, as we were saying, his his minutes to goal ratio is excellent. He works his absolute socks off. You know, he clearly loves playing for the club. So he does deserve to start. But it is hard to drop people when you're winning, as I was saying.
3: I think the thing with Biamu is that do you think Robbins, Andy, has sort of pigeonholed him as that impact player off the bench?
2: Um, I don't know. He, he seems to really like Godden, doesn't he? Um, he seems to be his number one guy, whatever happens. If Godden's fit, he plays, doesn't he? Um, but I'm with you on Saturday. I thought Godden was poor. Um, he was anonymous in the game. And I think with Biamu, every time he's uh, come on, you know, he came on against Bolton, he scored. He came on against um, Southend on Saturday, he scored. He deserves his chance because I think, in my opinion he's a more of a better focal point than um than Godden. I think he holds the ball better up than Godden I think he wins more ball in the air than Godden, and I think he works just as hard as Godden as well, and with the impact he's made off the bench for me, Biarmo definitely deserves a start it
3: certainly sounds like um He's got all the attributes better than Godden in, in your eyes, Andy. Well,
2: no, just it's just opinions, isn't it, Dave? You know, my opinion's not always right, but I just think on this occasion that you know, with with his impact, especially over the last couple of games, and how quiet Godden was on Saturday, I think he deserves a start. But if Robin starts, you know, Godden or even backer, I wouldn't be that too fussed because the way we're playing, it, it looks like we're going to win whatever we're going to do. So, yeah.
3: No, I think you're you're right in a way, like you say, BMU definitely deserves a start. And Tom also mentioned that. I think the thing for me is that Godden was purchased, wasn't he, by Mark Robbins. And I think yeah. you've mentioned before and, and we have that he's always probably gonna get that start in lineup. And I love his energy. I think he's great in the in, in the air, but I do understand what people are starting to say about BMW. He obviously bleeds sky blue. Um you see him at the end of the game on at South End. Uh, which I think even some of the oldest of fans got some selfies, including Tom, who's sat next to me right now. But um, you, you know, we'll leave that one alone. But I, I think, yeah, he definitely obviously loves the club. He's come a really long way, hasn't he, from his non-league games, uh, his non-league days. And uh, I think, you know, he really probably does deserve a starting position. Tom, what do you think about that sort of free striker with, with Bakayoko? Can you see Bakayoko perhaps a, a two going on? Or do you think it's always going to be that one up top?
4: I think he'll probably stick with one for now. Yeah, I think, I think the one's the ones working well. Obviously, we've got, you know, each of them can play that role, depending on who we're playing against. I think the thing with in is, you know, because Robins spent money on him, like you said, he, there's probably a little bit of pressure to play him and for him to do well. You know, if you're going to the owners and saying, give me a million quid to buy a striker, um, and then he's not scoring goals, there's going to be question marks there. So, probably a bit of pressure to, for him to play and for him to come good, but he is inconsistent. You know, he, he doesn't score often enough. He had those hat-tricks over Christmas, but... Apart from that, he's not really had a, a good run, has he? So, um, so yeah, it's a difficult one.
3: And for what it's worth, I think my squad would be Morosi and goal. He's been absolutely superb, obviously, this season. You can't drop the left and the right back again for me. I think that at some point Giles will get a, a game, and even Mason. But maybe that you know you bring that on with with some sort of time to go in the game later on in the game to perhaps shore up that defence. You can't drop the the centre backs; that they've been absolutely phenomenal. Liam Kelly, you know, almost puts himself in the squad every single week. He's been fantastic. Walsh again was was brilliant. I think I'd like to go back to the to the Alan O'Hare. I I, I don't you know I don't think that Shipley and Westbrook had their best of games. But at the same time, Shipty was very busy. Again, he'll go through brick walls for you and he's an absolute key player for us. But I just think that O'Hare and Alan, Alan, and they just give us that bit more energy lately and that bit more bite in the middle of the park. And I think that would be key. Um, for myself, and I know, Andrew, you give me a lot of a sticker over <laughs> this. Uh, and you know what I I'm going to are say. you going to say? You you do wonder. But um, no, I would go with uh, Matty Gordon up front just because he did score that goal uh, (laughs) against Portsmouth. He was a bit quiet, but I do think he adds us a lot to our game. And I think BMU is great off the bench as an impact player. But at the same time, Robbins has been playing that too. And I I wouldn't be surprised that if it isn't going well again, he'll make that change and do that. So I'm going to go for some score predictions now. Andy, I'm going to come to you first. What would your score prediction be for this weekend at Rochdale?
2: I think we'll
3: beat them 3-1. 3-1. And do you want to
2: allude to any of the uh, scorers? hat-trick. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Um, Bjarmo with one if he starts. And I will go for Walshie and O'Hare.
3: And taking it to you, Tom, what would be your score prediction for the weekend?
4: Yeah, I feel a little bit pessimistic saying this, but I'm going for a 1-0 to us, obviously. Um, Yeah, I just think, you know, 1-0 would be a solid result. I don't, I, mm. We don't seem to batter teams, do we? So, yeah, a nice 1-0, you know, but not too nervy would, would be perfect.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to go for 2-0, actually. And I'm hoping again that that man, Matthew Godden, can get us a goal. And, and you know, kickstart his season once and again. He had a bit of an injury. He came on it's instant impact, and I'm really hoping. But I think we can all agree all we really want to do is see a Sky Blues win and three points for the Sky Blues, which hopefully will sort of secure and rock solid, make that that title contenders, which we really are now. And that's what I did want to move on and, and have a chat about. It's starting to see that people are really believing, Andy.
2: They are. We're um, finally in the automatics and we've still got those two games in hand on certain people, haven't we? So, no, we're steadily moving up the league. Um, we're joint on to- top with Rotherham. Rotherham have got Accrington away on Saturday, which is not the easiest of fixtures, is it? No, and they drew at the weekend, didn't they, Rotherham? So hopefully, if Akron can can do us a favour, get a draw or a a win against over Rotherham, and we beat Rochdale, we can go top. And that will send a message with 13, 14 games to go, wouldn't it?
3: And Tom, if you can take the sort of rose-tinted but sky-blue-tinted sunglasses off, um, just for this question, what do you think about title contenders? Are we serious title contenders now?
4: Well, I do think we are. You know, I've never been the most optimistic fan, but I genuinely think we are this season. Um, You know, for a while we were saying, well, we've got the games in hand, and now it's we've actually got the points and the games in Mm. hand. So we've got both really. Um, I think there's more pressure on the other teams when you look at the fixtures as well. The, the thing with berry is actually interesting that no one's mentioned is that because obviously berry uh, you, you know you have your berry sort of weekend off so to speak we've had ours we've we've got that out of the way um so you're going to see in the running actually that there'll be the odd team here and there like peterborough rotherham uh, portsmouth not having a not having a fixture which is probably where we'll we'll gain some of the games back that could be really crucial i think and also the fact that we're playing you know rotherham peterborough and and Sunderland all at home as well Mm. Um, with our with our home form, you know, I think we're in the strongest position we possibly could be
3: psychologically. Andy, that game in hand, like you say, Tom Tom mentioned there, that teams have still got to play and have their weekend off for, for the Berry fixture, and they may just see that teams are starting to get away from like the Coventry Cities um, and maybe Rotherham. But how much is that going to play on on the other side's minds?
2: It's going to be massive. Um, like you said, we've got ours over and done with. It was Boxing Day. We didn't have a game, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it's a good be... period
3: not to have it, wasn't
2: it? It was, yeah. could have an extra few beers, couldn't we, on, on Boxing <laughs> Day. It was useful. Uh, but, no, it's going to be massive. Um, but going back to Tom's point, which is a, a really good point, about a lot of our big games, so-called big games, are at home. And our home form has been really good. I know we've picked up recently away from home. But all season, our home form has been the benchmark, hasn't it? And now we're playing these bigger teams at home. Yeah, that's going to be massive in our favour. I think.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and it's a very exciting. It's a very exciting journey. I think we're all super excited. We've all got to try and not get too carried away. But it's very, very difficult, Tom, to not get a carried away with the atmosphere that we had on Saturday, the players, and just what it meant to them. I mean, they they really look like they they believe they can do it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think the togetherness is there to see. Um, players, you know, playing with passion, like coming over to the fans at the end. Uh, I think there was a, after the Doncaster game, you could see Biamou, you know, singing the cop song with the fans. I mean, what, what other club can you say that your players are singing along yeah, with the fans? It's, it's fantastic.
3: And it would be great to hear from our listeners to see what they think about Coventry. Are they genuine title contenders? Do let us know by using the hashtag Sky Blues Extra Podcast and make sure you follow us for all of the match reaction news and more. And that's, that's pretty much all we've got time for tonight gents but thank you all for, for for listening and we really appreciate all of our followers getting involved in the match day polls commenting and and like I see we, we continue to want them to do that in the future but thanks for for coming on tonight Tom it's been great to have someone with um you know home and away week in week out and have that and share their experience of, of what's been an absolutely roller coaster season so far and hopefully it's going to continue
4: yeah brilliant thanks our
2: meal chaps